You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Eric. Um, and for transparency, we just spent like 20 minutes musing on how we weren't sure what to talk about. And, you know, the Bucks are, I think I said, man, greatness is boring. Um, and, you know, we've we've talked about how the Bucks not really having much drama and just kind of winning and having just sort of like warm fuzzy feelings like makes them less interesting to talk about on the radio um which is of course ironic coming from us as people who talk every day about the Milwaukee Bucks for yes. a wonderful audience of people who are interested in hearing about the Milwaukee Bucks but um I think we eventually came to a topic to discuss which is uh we know the trade deadline is not until Thursday afternoon and this is going to be released late well I guess probably early morning on Wednesday. So our, our takes will become dated immediately. Um, and we're not <laughs> waiting until the last minute to do it, but there's a game tomorrow. So we probably want to talk about that. And, you know, let's be honest, the trade deadline is, I, I feel like we've been sort of like Grinches, like trade deadline Grinches when it comes to the bucks. Indeed. And, you know, as someone who um, spent a long time writing uh, stories for SB nation uh, over at brew hoop and, you know, was trying to, write things that people were interested you know trade deadline was always like one of the huge traffic times of the year and everybody wants to read about latest rumors and what it would mean and you know all the hypotheticals and um we've been pretty disinterested in playing <laughs> that angle we are we're not we we have uh we're, we're like just old men who just are you know telling all the people uh who want to talk about trade possibilities to get off our lawn um which is just a, a really bad approach uh, if you're trying to build you know a, a really excited fan base but the nice reason is that we're like that because there's a reason to be super excited about the actual basketball being played um and so we, we obviously are, are not bullish on uh, an anthony davis trade for milwaukee as we discussed yesterday um we talked a bit about thon maker there's been kind of you know some i don't want to say twists and turns but there's been at least some news that has kind of trickled out over thon and his uh, trade request, um, but we thought we would do maybe just kind of a preview slash um, so maybe some predictions. So I don't know if we'll, we'll do over unders, but uh, I think what I'll do, Eric, is I'm going to just off the cuff pepper you with questions about likelihoods of things happening and whether you buy them or don't buy them, uh, and and what you think is is likely going to happen on Thursday, and then um, in you know roughly 12 hours later, all of our predictions will look terrible and. We'll uh, we'll want to burn the uh, you know metaphorical uh, videotape of, of what we're <laughs> what we just discussed. But well, so let me ask you. Let me start with the most basic question that I just wait. Yeah, before we do this, um, I'm going to take us on a quick diversion. Um, I don't know what the hell I just drove through uh, in the state of Wisconsin. I tweeted about it, but I feel like I need to also tell you about it because it was very strange. So like there was like sleet and rain, and then uh like after there was sleet and rain it was like kind of got icy and then it was some more sleet and then rain and then there was lightning and then there was ice and i was terrified i don't ever want to drive in it again so if you are listening in the morning uh, like on your way to work be careful because it could be very dangerous um but i i've never i've heard of thunder snow <laughs> but I've never been a part of it. And it was really strange. Like it was really off putting to be driving, struggling to drive. And then all of a sudden like lightning, lightning, lightning. I was like, what, what, what is this? So I just needed to get that off my chest. It was very weird. Yeah. Apropos, uh, shout out to, uh, our friend of the pod, our tweep, 
Nobody says tweep anymore for Twitter peeps. I think I think only thirties, <laughs> almost thirty-eight year olds say that. But uh, Twitter friend uh, Camille uh, tweeted just now as uh, as you were saying this. I was just reading my timeline. Camille, shout out to Camille. Uh, she uh, she just tweeted the weather over the last two weeks here in Milwaukee has been absolutely trash. <laughs> for some reason, I just thought that was a, a very good summation. Um, uh, unfortunately, yes, I can't I, I can't really relate um, as I've been in uh, Texas. So I'm I'm not gonna make light of that. Um, but I will say. Uh, this has been a good reminder of, I've always kind of wondered, I um, I mean, I did not, I lived in Boston for 15 years after leaving Milwaukee, so it's not like I fled for California immediately, but um, I remember talking to uh, one of my best friends from growing up, um, shout out to my dude, Alan, um, he lived in Pasadena for a long time after living in Wisconsin growing up, and I just remember visiting him in Pasadena while I was living in Boston, just thinking, why? Why have like why have not all the people moved out of like the northern parts of this country to to like California and all the warmer parts? And I mean, I think there's been some of that, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of cool actually that um, oh, it's kind of cool that that most people are are hardy enough, you know. Shout out people from Wisconsin. Uh, I don't qualify anymore, but uh, that that people are are cool with seasons and all that because. Um, I've gotten soft. Yeah. I mean, it was 70, 70 some degrees in, in Texas the other day. I, I, I was wearing a jacket and then went out to dinner and my coworkers were like, you want, you want to eat outside? And I was like, I, I guess we could do that. And we actually sat outside. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm not helping. Sorry, everybody. Um, but there are places that you can live where, where you don't have the snow, but then you wouldn't be able to go watch, uh, Milwaukee Bucks basketball 41. 41 nights a year. So there's trade-offs, you know, there's trade-offs. There definitely is. Um, okay. Sorry. Just needed to, I'm still trying to comprehend what I saw. So I just needed to get that off my chest and you're here. That helped. Um, all right. You, you want to fire questions at me? Let's do it. Fire questions at me. All right. Actually, just wait. Got a- before you do that, uh, <laughs> one, one small piece of news, uh, sad times in Bucks nation as, Man, this is, I'm struggling to get this out. Brooke Lopez will not go to the three point contest. Yeah. The Bucks will be represented. Chris Middleton will be there. Uh, he put up a 13 last time he was in it, I think two years ago, if I remember correctly. Um, so that didn't go particularly well. Um, but no Brooke Lopez. And that makes me sad because I wanted to see him one get all of those shots off in 60 seconds and to just, just be a part of it. I feel like it'd be fun. And he could have done his little uh, smoking hot little hand gesture. It would have been, been delightful. He did on the positive note, and, and I agree. I mean, I, th- I think Brooke has, I think I would have picked Brooke over Chris this year. And um, just just the volume and the distance and obviously the successes he's had as a three-point shooter. So, um, so yeah. Hopefully, I don't know. Maybe there's some way Brooke can still get in if there's some somebody gets injured or something. Um, but yeah, hopefully Brooke at least gets to uh, you know go to go to Disney World some more over a break. I don't, I don't know. Um, he probably will find find an interesting way to spend his time. Um, and uh, among other things, I, I I think many people probably saw uh, the Bucks and Katie George teased a, uh, a video segment they're going to have. I think maybe tomorrow. Uh, yeah. During the game, during the Bucks live tomorrow, I guess on FS Wisconsin, uh, Katie and, and Brooke went out to get pedicures together. So um, Brooke, no three point shootout, but uh, did get a pedicure uh, in the process. So I'm, I'm curious I, to see that he was wearing I an t- Epcot center shirt, by the way, I don't know if anybody noticed that, but in the little preview they posted true to Brooke Lopez form, he was wearing an Epcot center t-shirt. Shout out to Brooke for being a, uh, for being his his uh, his own true self, uh, I gotta say, um, I tweeted this out, but I <laughs> I've obviously gotten to know Katie over this year, and I've never seen Katie more excited than the day they were gonna face they were gonna tape the first pedicures with Katie, and Brooke was the obvious choice because he's he's quite playful and fun, um, so they they decided to go with Brooke, and she was uh, I've never seen her that excited. She could not wait to to go get all of that like done and she came back after it was done and then i saw her i think i saw it was like a game maybe it's a game day or maybe it was like the next day or whatever and 
Matt and I saw her the next day and she was like, oh, it was good. And I was, we we're like, well, yeah, like it was Brooks. So like, of course, like I'm sure he told some jokes. He had uh, a lot of fun. And um, so, yes, I would say Bucks fans, you should be able to look forward to it. I think that segment uh, will be a lot of fun. Who would you want to be the next guest on Pedicures with Katie? Who's who would be at the top of your list? I'm putting you on the spot, but me so I can get a free pedicure. Um, yeah, but, but I don't. I talk to you like literally more than. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Like I think probably the only person I talk to more than you is my wife. Um, so hey, man, I, I do not need to hear any more interviews with you because I literally <laughs> talk to you four or five times a week for an extended period about the Milwaukee Bucks. So no, not you. Who from the Milwaukee Bucks would you want? And I'll say this: like maybe we don't just have to do players. Who would you want to hear uh, a pedicure pedicures with Katie with? Uh, this might be a surprise uh, answer, but I'm going to go with Tony Snell. That's what I was going to say. So, God, we spend too much time together. Okay, so, so here's some inside the Bucks kind of talk for Tony Snell. Um, the other, Hashtag inside the Bucks. Uh, the other night, Matt tweeted out something about how after practice, uh, I don't know if everyone saw this, but... After practice, Brooke and Tony are always in the three-point shooting contest together. And he tweeted out something about how Tony Snell hit two threes, did it consecutively. I think it was in Toronto, or like in relatively short succession. So he hits two threes, and then Matt tweeted out, if that would have happened in practice, Tony would have been screaming two-piece McNugget at the top of his lungs. I don't know if you saw that tweet. Uh, but I did. I did see that, yeah. So... The strangest thing about this team, and I don't know if I've kind of explained this before, but uh, they do that three-point shooting contest every day. And no one talks more supportive shit than Tony Snell. It is totally supportive. It's, it's ve- he, he loves it. Uh, he loves that competition. And no one in the gym will be louder than Tony Snell. Only when he's doing that competition, only during the three-point shooting contest, and he will just talk and talk and talk. He'll talk about two-piece McNuggets. I'll give him a three-piece. Come on, Brooke. Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. The other day they were, for some reason, they didn't have enough people, so they were doing a three-person, Brooke, Tony, and Pat. So they're all single. And they decided to shoot uh, top of the key, like 30 footers. And he was like, this is Brooke's spot, but I'm still comfortable here. And it just screaming at the top of his lungs. So I would love to see Katie work with Tony because I think she could really get Tony to, you know, break out of his shell and have a good time. It's interesting that he would be willing to say the McNugget thing even after just two shots. I feel like you got to wait till at least six, right? Six-piece McNuggets? I feel like you got to hit six more before you say six-piece McNuggets. Um, but uh, anyway, all right. We've, we've diverged enough. That was some good hashtag inside the Bucks talk. Uh, in, inside Bucks talk. You're not getting that from any other podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so let me ask you this. So trade deadline coming. What is the percentage likelihood, you would say, of the Bucks actually making a trade uh, involving let's say involving a player on the roster. I don't know necessarily that they would make any other type of trade. Sure. Um, like, I don't think they're going to make some random future draft pick trade or something like that. But um, what do you think of the odds that, um, that someone on this roster is moved by Thursday afternoon? <sighs> I would go. Hmm, 25%. I think it's on the lower side. Um, you know, as I've told you before, I don't, I know that Thon has been mentioned in these different rumors, um, but I just don't get the sense from kind of what I've, what I've heard and, you know, what I've been able to, you know, kind of chip away at that the Bucks are in a, a big hurry to move Thon. I, I don't, I don't think they're, they're really going out of their way to ship him out of town. I think it's a, a situation where, Okay, he said he wanted to get traded. So you know, if if we can find a a suitable return for him and something that you know we find attractive, okay, we can make that deal. But it's not. We need to get this guy the hell out of town. 
So I think that hurts. Um, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit better chance of getting Tony Snell uh, or seeing Tony Snell leave than, than, you know, maybe I would have thought earlier. I think that is, that is a deal that they'll, they'll sniff around on because I do think there is, there's some motivation from the team to try to clear up some of that space. And I don't think they're, I don't think they're quite you on the scale. Uh, if we're to, if we're literally talking about the conversation we had the other night, where uh, you, I, I don't want to say you'd be pushing for that, but I think you'd be looking really hard for it. And they're not me, where I'm too risk averse to, you know, endanger whatever they have going this year. I think they're probably in that middle space where, um, you know, they're maybe a little bit more curious about that um, than than really than really people would tend to think. So, um, I mean, I still put it at 25%, but to me, those are kind of the two guys I circle as, as possible moves and kind of thoughts that they might have about it. That seems reasonable. I, I'm also kind of skeptical about a thon trade just because I just don't know that there's, you know, someone out there that's really willing to throw a lot at the bucks for the right to get thon. So, and again, I mean, you know, if you trade thon, kind of have to get a big man back too so you know it'd be one thing if they still had john henson on the roster or something like that and they were you know he wasn't he hadn't played all year and you know there was no kind of line of sight for him to play at all um but you know you basically have two guys who have ever been real sort of traditional nba centers that you might actually want to put out in a playoff game on this roster and thon is one of them sorry jason smith um (laughs) <laughs> you know, so it's it's just kind of it's kind of hard, right? I mean, obviously, I'm as much as I have have liked Christian Wood. I mean, I'm not like banking on Christian Wood to give me playoff minutes or something like that. And Thon, obviously, you know, as much as he's been frustrating, I mean, he's been an impact guy in the playoffs. I mean, really, the last couple of years, at least for stretches. So, um, yeah. you know, if nothing else, like there's there's something there, right? So, yeah, I I don't think there's a you know a really compelling reason to to let Thon roll um, or to you know dump Thon at the deadline just because he asks he wants to go play somewhere. Um, I, think, I think that's the key distinction. Like dump is not what you want. Like you don't want to no. just dump them somewhere. Like if, if this team does make a trade, like you want to get, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something, but I think it has to be more than <laughs> Rodney hood. Like <laughs> I think it's got to be something more than that. Yeah. Rodney hood is not somebody I would have um, wanted to take for Thon. I just don't believe in Rodney hood and, um, Same. You know, I, I think if you needed to lose salary, um, you know, I mean, if it's just a matter of like, we well, need to get rid of Sean Thon's $3 million a year or whatever, then, I mean, you could do that in the summer, I think, um, with all the cap space that's going to be laying around most likely as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if there's some way to use him as an inducement to, you know, I mean, the, the irony is that the guy I'd really want to get rid of would be Ursan. <laughs> um, because of his salary yep. owed next year as well, and obviously he's just not playing well. But you know, if you use Thon in order to get somebody to take Urson, then uh, you got very little uh, in terms of you know f- front court depth, and you'd have to be taking back something, um, you know, presumably like an expiring salary to uh, to kind of fill that gap. So yeah, it's it's just kind of a weird, um, you know. And and again, not that you can't find potentially even somebody on the buyout market that could. Um, replicate, you know, especially what Ursan is not doing right now. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a, it just doesn't seem like there's really necessarily some great deal out there, but you never know. But yeah, I'd say 25%. Yeah, that seems maybe, maybe about right. Um, so let's, that's where, what, what if I would not have said anything? Would you have said about 25%? Would you go higher, lower? Um, I could have bought, my first reaction was maybe even lower, but I think when you combine, the possibility of Thon, something happening with Thon, or you predict something maybe happening with Tony, because there is obviously a reason to consider moving Tony as much as we like him and like the way he's fit in this year. I mean, just the, the salary stuff and just the specter of kind of what they're going to be up against this summer in terms of, you know, the value of having additional flexibility. Um, you know, that's the kind of tough decision that that could ultimately pay dividends in the long term, even if it brings risk this year. Um, I think those two guys alone, I think, yeah, I mean, it's makes it sort of non-trivial the possibility of a trade and then and then there's just always other stuff that can happen right um you know i I don't know what you would you know could you trade jason smith and a future second round pick for somebody that might actually play minutes 
Uh, maybe, right? Um, that's that's certainly possible. Um, so so there's also like kind of those like you know kind of fringe fringe type moves that uh, that that might be might be in play. I mean we've we've heard kind of like murmurs that the Bucks might be interested in, in adding another wing. Um, you know I think as we've talked about like you know uh, kind of going back to like the kind of before Corver was traded or even right after Corver was traded. You know the, the idea of a guy that can just gun from three point range. Um, we've talked about Tar- Terrence. Who is who, okay, yeah. But but oh, I, God, sorry. Yeah, I mean we've talked about Terrence Ross, and I think I forget where I saw if it was Zach Lowe or somebody. I think um, either pod again. I'm like my brain is mush. Either podcasted <laughs> or like wrote uh, that two. I think I think Zach said that two seconds could get Terrence Ross. I'm not sure. I'm that interested in an expiring Terrence Ross for that price. Um, I mean, if I could get off of like Urson's salary and Jason Smith, yay! Then I'd be really interested in doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm not expecting that. Um, but uh, Wayne Ellington, another guy who I don't understand why Ellington. Again, I, I don't follow the Heat closely enough to understand why Wayne Ellington would be available in the first place. Um, but you he know, was like a, out of the rotation, and now he's like back in, and it's just like Wayne Ellington's good. What are you doing? Yeah, like like since when does the Miami Heat offensive not need a knockdown shooter? You know, like, um, he's a horrible slump <laughs> defensively, but you would think like Spolster would feel like he could scheme around that. Um, so yeah, it's been just kind of a, kind of a strange thing there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Ellington, a guy, um, who, who would certainly be the best, the best, best shooter on the box. I mean, certainly, you know, um, they, they just don't have guys who can like, you know, really shoot other than when they're open, other than Chris yep. can have shown that game, but Chris and like Brooke obviously is a spot up guy and even kind of sidestepping. I mean, the two of them can do it, but you know, you look at Brogdon, Bledsoe, um, Hill as well, like, you know, and, and all the other wings, even like they're all like catch and shoot guys They're and they're generally guys who want to have some room. So, you know, a guy that can be really dynamic in the defense has to account for like coming off screens and, you know, shooting off the move and things like that. I mean, that, that is a dimension the Bucks don't have. Um, and so, who knows, right? Like maybe there, there is some some kind of move like that where the Bucks add a piece. Maybe they don't give up any, um, you know, maybe just like I said, just Jason Smith and like a one of like that Washington second rounder or something, right? That that they got uh, a while back. And, and again, I don't know. You could say it's maybe a little short sighted, but again, <laughs> this is not this is not you know your typical Buck season, right? I mean, like you, you got a chance to go to the NBA Finals here. You are probably one seed in the East. You might have the best record in the NBA. All said done. Like this is the year to you know, hoard second round picks when you could potentially get guys that, that could really make a difference in the playoffs. And again, is William Ellington, that guy, is Harris Ross, that guy, eh, I don't know. But, um, but again, all, all sorts of new, new, new territory the Bucks have to, uh, have to figure out. Yeah. Um, I was just wait, while we're there. I mean, I think that's the, that's the really interesting and difficult part of all of this is that, you know, it's not, it's not, good God, there's a, there's a gaping hole in the rotation. It's okay. If, if you get this much better or if you bring in this player, does, does that player fit in? And does it, does that player play over whoever was currently in the rotation? And then, you know, when you swap out that other guy that's currently giving you good minutes and swap his minutes out for this guy's minutes, is this new guy, is this new guy going to be able to, you know, make plays and, and do everything that you need? And, and like that calculus, I think, is really different. Like it, it's it's really difficult, also, because I, I think it's it's more difficult to say, are we going to get slightly better by adding this person that might be able to beat out this other guy than to say we have no one let's go get someone like like that that is that to me is easy this is more difficult yeah um and i think the the other guy that that we have mentioned um and that i think and again god i'm this is bad radio i'm, I'm trying to remember who who um someone mentioned the bucks being or at least having inquired or maybe or possibly being interested in nicola merited i can't remember and I, I apologize i'm not even sure if it was how legit it was but i at least saw that lobbed somewhere um and i think you know we talked about it how you know miritich is a guy that um you know i'm a big fan of miritich i think especially if you play him like with a guy like Giannis, who can you know defend at a high level and 
Miritich, the way he can shoot and, and uh, you know, just be such a threat with the ball, um, either shooting or, or putting on the deck and kind of just, you know, being just a really skilled guy. Um, I mean, and, and to be honest, even if it's only to get Miritich in order to prevent him from going to a team like Philly, um, that, that also has value. Uh, but, but he would also be an interesting guy. I mean, we talked about the challenge there is, you know, he plays the same position as your best player. Uh, and so you really have to commit to playing him, you know, in, basically in Ursan's spot and then some, mm-hmm. right? And uh, obviously at this point, DJ Wilson and uh, and Brooke have earned certainly more than, than their share of minutes. So, um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get the most out of Nikola Meritich just because you don't have necessarily, you know, the 30 minutes per game that probably should be playing in, in the ideal scenario. But, um, I mean... Jesus, that would be a hell of a luxury to be able to. Can you imagine if you were bringing Nikola Miritich off the bench instead of Ursan? I mean, that's, um, that that adds a different dimension. So, um, so anyway, like, and again, like, you know, what what do the Pelicans want? Miritich, he's expiring. They probably want, I guess, picks, young players. You know, again, like one second rounder. That's yeah. not getting. That's not getting Nikola Miritich. So, um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a you know probably one of things not likely to uh, to happen. But, um, interesting to see the Bucks continue to be connected because, as you said, you know. It's that what what can give you that extra push, you know, what can win you a random yep. game uh, on the road in the second round, in the third round or the first round of the playoffs. Right. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of calculus that, that now you have to think about. Um, all right. But just wait. while we're there, one thing that you mentioned about this deadline that I find particularly interesting is that I think at least to some extent, there's a, a thought in my head about um, playing defense, like playing defense with a move to keep someone from somewhere. Because, you know, we've talked this entire year about how that Sixers team really misses, uh, you know, some of the guys that they had last year, R- really misses, you know, getting Urson and getting uh, Marco Bellinelli, which again, bio guys aren't typically like that. But then all of a sudden you look on the buyout market and it's like, oh, Wesley Matthews would probably help quite a bit. And then you continue to think through like possible trades that they can make. And it's like, shit, if the Sixers add Nikola Mirtic and Wesley Matthews, like, I mean, that's that's a pretty good talent upgrade that that that's going to help them. And uh, to me, there is, you know, some thought of like, okay, can you keep can you keep this player from, from, from whoever else in the East or, you know, when I think some of the sweating out of the deadline that Bucks fans are gonna have to do is that no one in the East makes a big move. And, you know, I I think uh, Anthony Davis to the, to the Celtics was always the one that like, you know, everyone kind of thought of. And I don't think you really have to think about that because the Celtics aren't going to make that deal here before the deadline. But, you know, you think about some of the other moves, like today there was that rumor about Conley and Gasol for, what was it, Lowry and... Uh, Valanchunas. Valanchunas. And it's like, do I do you really want to go up against Gasol and Conley and, uh, you know, be able to watch that Raptors team move Abaka to the bench or like that that would just make them, you know, I think a, a little bit deeper and uh, a little bit more consistent, better defensively. And it's like, okay, you, you kind of have to, maybe the Bucks won't make a move, but in, and that means you won't be sweating out whether or not the Bucks are make a deadline deal and get it to happen. But, you know, I do think there is something to be said about right now. I think we all believe the Bucks are either the favorites in the East or the co-favorites or however you want to say that. And they don't have a, a ton of great chances to increase their odds substantially, while some of those other teams in the Eastern Conference do have that chance, do have that ability to, you know, maybe there's a move out there for them that they can find something that can help them and, and push them closer to the Bucks or ahead of the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, the, the downside for the Bucks right now is that this is sort of like, you know, they're fully healthy. They're kind of chugging along at, you know, all cylinders, no 
no real distractions, drama, thon stuff. You know, it was almost a joke compared to some distractions faced by by other te- other teams. Like when you compare it to the Kyrie stuff or Jimmy Butler being Jimmy Butler and, yeah. and all that kind of crap. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is kind of you know, I mean, the, the Bucks are going to have a hard time playing any better. Um, so it's really more about just on the margins, on the fringes, uh, improving the team at this point. Um, and you know, obviously they could have more star players. There's obviously, as we've discussed, I'm not even kind of easy way to do that. So, yeah, a lot of it, like if this was a very quiet deadline for the NBA, Bucks fans should be very happy, right? If if the teams in the East really don't do much and the buyout market is really quiet, yep. hey, like status quo is a good thing because it's working for them right now. And you know, like the Raptors are going to get a little bit healthier. Valanciunas has been out. You mm-hmm. know, Greg Monroe's had to play, which um, I think actually made some plays tonight in the win they had in Philadelphia, but. Generally, you know, in the year 2019, Greg Monroe needing play is not a good thing. Sorry, Greg. Um, but but yeah, other teams, they, they do have opportunities. Philly plugging some of those, you know, holes that they have in terms of shooting. So uh, we'll be interested. So, okay, are you going to stop interrupting me, Eric? Can I ask my next question? Do you have anything else to add on? No, that? you just keep bringing up interesting ideas because you are great at this. Okay, good save. Good save. You'll 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 do well um, when you're married one day by <laughs> by just turning things on and like that. Um, and you know, I mean, what's what's closer to a marriage than a podcast partnership, really? <laughs> I mean, you know. um, but anyway, so um, th- th- don't don't take that in a in a weird way, everybody. I'll remind you, Aaron and I are never in the same room when we record this. Um, this so so next next question, um, and Davis, obviously the. You know, every every other thing in the NBA right now is is a discussion around Anthony Davis. We've talked we've talked to Fred about just you know all the dimensions of this that could lead to a trade happening before the deadline, but then also not happening for the deadline, and how there are all these little counterbalances and counterpoints and reasons why maybe one team or Davis's camp influence things to make something happen sooner rather than later, and why the Pelicans may want to wait, but then also these reasons why they might want to do something now. End of the day, what is the likelihood, the percentage likelihood, Eric, that you think Anthony Davis will be traded by Thursday's deadline? Man, I think the other night I said I was kind of waffling back and forth on this around 50-50. I think I'm going to go lower now. Um, I think I'm going to go, it's like a 35% chance that he gets traded before the deadline. I just think, I think the... (laughs) The Pelicans kind of, in some ways, understand that uh, this 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 is a faux deadline. This is someone putting in an artificial deadline on a guy that they have to trade, and a guy that you know they probably don't. Actually, I shouldn't say they probably don't. They don't want to trade. This is the best player they've ever had. You, you don't want to trade that guy, and you're not going to let someone else tell you that he has to be traded by this moment and lose some potential value. So to me, I think this is going to be, this is going to be the Pelicans standing their ground and saying, Nope, not happening. We are, we are going to get the full value that we want. We're going to get as many teams involved in this uh, discussion as possible. And we are going to see what we can do uh, when we get to the summer. So uh, I've moved from 50% down to like 35%. Are you going any lower than that? Or are you going higher than that? You know, I might still go a little higher. Um, I mean, it always felt like it made more sense for, uh, for the Pelicans to wait. And again, just the whole Boston having more assets and just trying to wait until Boston can, can get involved. Um, the Kyrie sort of, um, dissonance uh, has kind of maybe changed that potentially a little bit. And um, I think LA seemingly putting almost everything on the table um, is, is pretty important. Um, I think just the, the volume of kind of reporting that's been happening in the last day around Pelicans want this and, you know, they want everything basically. Um, And then the, the Lakers kind of offering not, quite everything not four first round picks which is what the pelicans asked for um but like pretty much all the players basically on their team um, it doesn't seem as crazy to me that you know given that dialogue is happening and there's a lot of chatter uh even though there was the talk today about like oh the the lakers are oh they stormed back into their room and said oh it's ridiculous right and whatever <laughs> there's plenty of time for posturing and to come back to come back to the table and you know yeah you it's anthony freaking davis we're talking about so deal with it you know um so I, 
I think there's still a non-trivial chance, even if on some level it doesn't really seem necessarily logical to be the outcome. Um, but I think the Lakers, I mean, it's sort of those things, right? Like the, I'm sure the Pelicans don't want to trade their best player to LA given, you know, it's sort of been decreed that that's what, you know, the basketball gods seem to want to happen, or at least Anthony yeah. Davis and Rich Paul want to happen. Um, so I'm sure they would love to stick it to the Lakers, but ultimately, I mean, they have to do the best thing for them. Um, and, you know, I think it's a lot of it just comes down to like, how much do they love Jason Tatum? And do they think, you know, some combination of all of the Laker assets is better than, you know, whatever Boston might offer and, or, or if they just don't think that, you know, it's going to come to that. Cause obviously, like we said, I mean, the Pelicans don't want to shut down Anthony Davis the rest of the year and, you know, basically like have to trot out their tank team and, um, you know, while, while arguably the, you know, one of the league's most talented players is just sitting there. I mean, it's just, just a bad look for everybody. Um, and Anthony Davis obviously wants to go and get this over with. So I think it's possible. Um, and you know, I mean, when in doubt, I just assume stuff's going to happen in the NBA <laughs> rather than not happen. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I'll, I'll say 45%, which feels really high relative to where I was a week ago, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of go with that. Um, Anything else on Anthony Davis, or can I ask my next question? You got it. If not Anthony Davis, let me let me make sure I phrase this in a way that makes sense. But who is the like, let's just say, whether you want to call them a star, biggest name player, whatever, who is the biggest name player other than Anthony Davis that you would be not at all surprised to see moved on Thursday? Um, hmm. this this may require a little bit of thought. I feel. I think Mike Conley. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I, I think the the Pistons and Jazz are both are both in it, and I well not in the playoffs and in the hunt, but they're both in the hunt for Mike Conley, and I think they're both interesting. And you know, to me, I, I think it makes some sense for for both of those teams. Obviously, Utah is always trying to get an upgrade, and um, you know they would have. And honestly, this kind of has an effect on the Milwaukee Bucks if they do go after Conley because that cuts into their cap space this summer, which could have been used to you know chase a guy like Chris Middleton. So that might not be the worst thing if Conley would go to the Jazz uh, for Bucks fans. But I think for Utah, it makes sense. You know, help out Donovan Mitchell, help out Rudy Gobert, give them another playmaker, uh, make things a little bit easier on you know both of their best players, and then if you go. Over to the Detroit side of things, obviously they're they're kind of locked into a Blake Griffin future. So if you can if you can find a way to give him a, another solid player, um, you know that that could kind of help. And again, there, I think Detroit would probably have to give up a would probably have to give up a, a probably a pick or two. Uh, but you know the rest of the deal would be like I don't even know like Reggie Jackson and John Luke. Like John, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know John Lure. Maybe like I'm trying to think of how to even make the money work. Um, I'm trying to do this on the fly. Um, Reggie Jackson, John Lure, Luke Kennard, maybe, and then a first round pick. Uh, so, I mean, I think if if you're the Pistons, that makes some sense. Like if you can bring in Conley and get yourself another good player, which I don't think Reggie Jackson is or has been um like if you get another good player in there all of a sudden i think you do have something not not contender interesting but certainly more interesting than than kind of what you had going on so um i i will go, i would go conley i think that's a good guess yeah it seems you know, marcus all tonight was held out of the game sparking you know kind of a lot of talk that uh you know he might be closer to being dealt than conley there was uh, some rumors about uh, Charlotte and uh, an interest in, in Gasol, which seems kind of funny to me that Charlotte would be the team that, that Gasol ends MJ's up with. MJ's going for it, baby. He wants the yeah. playoffs. He loves big white dudes. Uh, we know that. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, but Conley, I think, is a is a pretty good guess. I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't really see kind of just thinking about it. I don't really see like a, you know, real kind of star player, you know, Kyrie. I don't, I don't foresee Kyrie being traded. Um, I, Drew Holiday, interestingly, like the, the talk has been the Pelicans don't mm-hmm. want to trade Drew Holiday. We talked about him and kind of the complications of like if a team like the Bucks were to go after him. Um, I, I don't know why you'd want to 
I don't know. I don't. I mean, obviously he's very good, but you know, Drew's going to be. I think he's going to be 29 um, next summer. I think so. You know, let's just say the Pelicans' timeline does not seem to be aligning with you know sort of Drew Holiday's career trajectory. Uh, so, and I think you could get stuff for Drew Holiday, even though he makes a ton of money. Um, you know, talk about a guy that that can be a difference maker in the playoffs. I think he can absolutely be that, given his versatility on both ends. So. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that, he might be a guy that I otherwise would have pinpointed. Um, I, I would say I like Drew Holiday more than Mike Conley, but it just doesn't seem like that is, um, you know, necessarily something that the Pelicans, for whatever reason, are interested in doing. They're, um, so anyway, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think those are the, a couple of reasonable names. Um, I don't know if I have any. I don't know if I have any other kind of burning. Quite. Can you think of any other interesting trade deadline questions to? Uh, to, to throw out for us to talk about or is, is this it at the end of the at the end of the trade deadline who do you feel like you will believe is the best team in the eastern conference and who do you feel like you'll believe is the best team in the western conference um i i think it'll be i mean so if, if you kind of look at it i mean i don't think any team in the west is going to do anything to change the warriors being the best team in the west so i think that's easy i don't think there's any any semblance of a trade that that's going to work there. I mean, the Lakers would be interesting if they traded their entire team for Anthony Davis. Um, but, you know, as much as obviously LeBron and, and AD are incredible, I, you know, I think them and, you know, basically, uh, you know, a G league team, I just, I don't think that's beating the Warriors. Um, and then uh, I think out East is more interesting because obviously you have the Bucks who, like we said, have kind of just been clicking and have been healthy and pretty drama free. Um, I mean, I, I think you look at them. I mean, think you know, you look at the teams that are are chasing them. Toronto, as much as you know, we saw this this Lowry Conley, uh, you know, rumor out there. Um, I don't, I don't foresee them like making some huge deal that like changes the complexion of what they are. If that makes sense. Um, and you know, the irony is that Lowry, even though he hasn't shot well this year, and, and he's obviously had. Um, He's kind of been pretty bitter to, uh, towards Raptor management ever since the DeRozan trade, since they were so close. Um, I mean, his you know his RPM numbers on off suggest that he's been really good for them. So you know, like it's not like Mike Conley just showing up um, automatically like is some huge improvement. Um, Gasol obviously, I would say, is better than Valanciunas, but Valanciunas was always also playing great. And I don't know if the Raptors becoming kind of a more traditional kind of know big guy in the middle type team i don't know if that like changes their ceiling a lot um i don't know like it just seems like part of their value is that they have a bunch of super switchy athletic front court guys and you know kind of reorienting towards having like a gasol type at center as good as mark is and he obviously can shoot rest of the floor uh i, I don't know I, I just don't know if i feel like that like is that going to suddenly make me feel like oh now the raptors are the team to beat i don't think so and philly i think is probably the most interesting team I don't. I don't see Boston making a big move um, at the deadline. I think they're just going to kind of do what they're going to do, and um, I think they could still really start to click. And I think the media wants to. The media, absolutely, especially because there's so many kind of Celtics people, at least in my orbit, like everybody just desperately wants to flip the Celtics have figured it out narrative switch. Um, and it's like they've had good stretches. They're clearly a good team, but it's just like not quite there um and i think fundamentally you know Kyrie's had a great season for all his you know drama and bs that he spouts off whenever he opens his mouth but um you know fundamentally you kind of just look at that team and it's like al horford's really good great complimentary piece but you know he's aging he's not like nobody's buying al horford as like the number two on your championship team um tatum's been Eh, fine, pretty good, you know. Nobody's buying Jason Tatum as the number two on a championship team unless he just goes nuts and can't miss, you know, in the playoffs. Um, Jalen Brown, same thing, right? He's played better late, but, you know, I mean, it, it's tough. And Gordon Hayward, I think most notably, I mean, he's just not been the guy he was before the injury. So you just kind of look at all these guys. I mean, they're kind of like the Bucks in the sense that they have a lot of guys who can be a really great number two on any given night. But like, if if we're gonna apply the whole like oh, the Bucks don't have a great number two thing, um, they also fail that I think, and their number one is just obviously not as 
over overall impactful, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, Giannis, as much as Kyrie obviously can be a great scorer, and um, you know that that's very interesting in a play scenario. But you know, I mean, who, who's picking Kyrie over Giannis at this point? So, so yeah, I think I don't think Boston's going to do anything. I think really it's more about them. Just like, can somebody like can can Hayward look like a third banana rather than like a seventh banana? You know, like that kind of stuff. Um, and I think I think Philly's probably the team that is the most you know that like if 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 you were gonna say like hey Frank you can pick one team to not make make any moves by Thursday and as a Bucks fan who would you not want to see making moves Philly would be that team because they're the team I think that has the most upside to improve as you were kind of pointing out earlier you know if they had wing shooting um, if they added a guy like Miritich to the front court who can shoot in space around Embiid I think that uh, that would also you know potentially really unlock them a bit more than, than what they currently are. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think Philly has the most to gain maybe by a trade just cause they seem to be the most flawed. Um, you know, irony, ironically, I mean, some of their flaws, like, you know, sort of Simmons and his fit with the other two guys. I mean, that's obviously not going to be solved by a trade um, cause they're not going to trade any of those guys, but, um, but that's who I would kind of highlight. So I think they might have the most to gain in, um, in the East. In the last, I mean, I think the, um, I think the Lakers might have the most gains just because they look com- totally discombobulated right now. And it's like, you know, if they don't make a move, like, you know, like they're right now, they look like, you know, and again, stuff happens, changes very quickly. And LeBron's been back for like two games. So, you know, again, like we can, we're always quick kick dirt on teams, but there's just a lot of bad vibes given the trade stuff, the way, I mean, again, they got destroyed by Indiana tonight. They've been struggling, obviously, without LeBron. Um, and they don't have that much room to be crappy or you're going to, you know, have to try to sneak into the playoffs and maybe play the Warriors the first round. So it's almost like, you know, they're they're in the failing marriage and they need to just get out of that and go start some start something new. Uh, and I, that's where I think a lot of the urgency f- to make this trade is, right? Because stuff's not great right now. And, you know, I, we were discussing before the pod, like, is, is LeBron trying to get Luke Walton fired maybe? Like, that's, that's in play. Um, just a lot of... Uh, not great stuff going on there. So even though I don't think the Warriors are going to be threatened by the Lakers or anybody else after the trade deadline, um, I think, you know, certainly LA may have has the most to gain just to try to, you know, kind of like last year with the Cavs, right? Like maybe this is a LeBron thing. Um, you know, the Cavs were just like, my God, like stick a fork in them. And they had to basically turn over the entire team just to try to breathe some life into them. And um, I don't know if the Lakers are worse this, this year in the grand scheme of things. Um, but they, they obviously, you know, the idea of guiding ED would be, would be huge. Um, so, so anyway, I'd, and actually the only other team I'd throw out there, I don't, I'm not sure what the likelihood of Denver making a move is. Um, I feel like Denver is a team. I haven't, I don't know. Maybe I've just missed it. I feel like I have not seen them linked at all with just trying to be a team that's not on Anthony Davis's list, but could they make a play for him in just say, screw it and go for it. Um, I, and granted, I think teams that don't have a dominant big man are better fits for AD than than a team that does. But whatever, Jokic and AD, they could figure it out. Um, and I, so I think they're a team that's kind of interesting, just because man, they have, especially with Malik Beasley playing so well, um, Monte Morris playing so well. Uh, you know, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray have missed games and hasn't mattered. I watched them just destroy the Rockets the other day. Uh, you know, they just have a lot of interesting pieces that you know. Um, you know, Jamal Murray is a centerpiece of an Anthony Davis trade, right? I mean, uh, maybe I don't know, right? You throw in you throw in multiple other assets. I mean, they've got a bunch of like really interesting young pieces who have you could talk yourself into them having you know all star type upside. But by the same token, Denver might be willing to just say screw it. We have a lot of depth. We can figure something out without without Jamal Murray, especially for getting Anthony Davis. So I don't know. It's it's they're they're an interesting team. If if there was any team that might just launch themselves into that and say screw it, you know, basically pull like a Toronto with Kawhi type move, um, you know, given where they are right now, if you can get AD for this year and next year, and just say screw it, we're gonna just try to win the freaking NBA Finals right now, um, that that would be really that would be really interesting and. Um, I think the other side too is, I mean, if you give up all these assets and then, you know, it doesn't go well and Anthony Davis is like, screw this. I want to be out here now. Um, well, you could still trade him this summer. You know, you could still try to flip him for Jason Tatum this summer. Right. <laughs> and that, that might not really be that bad of a, 
of a you know lateral move, right? Depending on how you evaluate Jamal Murray and and, uh, and Jason Tatum and those guys. So anyway, that's my one of my long winded answer. I'm, man, that one Zach Lowe the other week had said like you know it wouldn't be crazy for the Nuggets to get in it, and he was like, and I don't mean it wouldn't be crazy that you know, like this is something that's actually going to happen. He's like, but you know, when you think through their assets, the position that they're in, like that's when it's not crazy. He was like, you know, it would be crazy if they do jump in it. Uh, speaking about the nuggets, but um, yeah, man, that'd be, I just started dreaming of Davis as the role man on a pick and roll with Jokic. I don't know if you saw the other week when they ran a Jokic Plumley pick and roll um, and Jokic ended up throwing a lob to Plumley, And I was just like, that was a five, four, or I guess technically a five, five pick and roll. And it was wonderful and strange and beautiful. And I loved it. And yeah, getting to see Jokic and Anthony Davis do weird Jokic stuff together. That would be, that'd be really interesting. And, you know, I think with the question, I just, in the West, the, the Warriors are going to be the best team. That's just that's just how it is. Um, in the East, I do think you know, like I said, if you're a Bucks fan, more than anything else, you're sweating out this trade deadline to see what those other teams do, and just hoping that they don't have a home run move in them. And you know, it, it's probably the Sixers that you you circle most. Uh, the Celtics seem content to just ride through this season with the, with the crew that they have and try to convince Anthony Davis uh, and Kyrie Irving to hang out in Boston together over the summer. Um, and then, you know, maybe the Raptors, I mean, Masai Ujiri, if there's one thing he is, uh, it, it is not afraid. He is very much not afraid of, of making the big move. So maybe he has one in him as well, but um, all of those things jeopardize the, the Bucks playoff chances and the Bucks chance in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think to me that's the that's probably the thing I'm thinking about most as uh as this trade deadline comes to pass here. So uh should be an exciting uh I guess by the time this is out and you're listening to it, probably uh just under 36 hours because you might be listening to this on Wednesday morning. Uh Thursday, what is it, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Central, I think. Eastern. Is it th- I, think, I think Eastern, right? Okay, that's fine. I have no idea. I don't know which one it is. But either way, it'll be Thursday afternoon, trade deadline. Uh, should be some exciting stuff, and we'll be uh, ready. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, one, by the way, one quick note. I looked up where the Bucks Miritich thing came from. Mitch Lawrence of Sporting News. So I'm going to go ahead and back away from that one and <laughs> not treat it like it's likely to happen. But, um, you know, it's playing upon my, uh, my, my, my appreciation of Nikola Miritich. So, of course, I'm going to. I'm going to be more interested in talking about that, even if it's really not a real thing. I'll, I'll let you live, Frank. I'm okay with letting you live on that one. Uh, so that is going to be it for us for tonight. Hopefully you enjoyed our trade deadline preview, and hopefully we don't look stupid and get everything wrong. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.